Hello, welcome to BIV Today. I'm Tyler Orton. Influencers, creators, you know, those are the social media elites with the large followings who help big brands connect with consumers. And I think they've taken on a whole new importance amid the pandemic as many folks have, you know, bunkered down at home, spending a lot more of that time checking their iPhones rather than going out and shopping at stores. That puts the emphasis on brands to connect with them in whole new ways. And last week we saw Vancouver-based Later.com. They were acquired after their new parent company, which is known for specializing in the online influencer space, they raised more than $250 million over the last few months. Those are U.S. dollars as well. So with us to take a deep dive into the industry, it is Victoria's own Justin Say. He's amassed more than 750,000 subscribers on YouTube for his takes on technology, and his videos have more than 100 million views. He's only 24 years old. He's been doing this since he's 12 years old. So Justin, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, so uh, first question I got to ask, you know, like uh, when you go to your mom or your dad's, uh, they ask you like, what do you do for a living? How do, how do you summarize that in just kind of a, a quick kind of half sentence? I, I get to say reporter. It's, it's easy, very easy to understand, but uh, how would you describe that to anybody who's curious about uh, what your uh, career is? Yeah, I think it's an interesting industry where there's many ways to describe it. Uh, we're structured as a media company, uh, privately like owned media company and a relatively small team and also working with large brands. But at the same time, it is still very much um, also set up like a hobby where I kind of do it for fun. And that's kind of the way it started back when I was 12 or 13 years old. Um, it's funny because the influencer marketing industry has changed so much over the last decade that when I first started, there really wasn't like a huge amount of I guess, um, presence in the space just yet. Um, I was just a kid kind of exploring the world of making online video and seeing where it would go. And especially in that last decade, it is like absolutely changed a ton. So yeah, when describing my job, I would kind of say we create videos with some of the world's largest brands, especially in the tech industry, in lifestyle, tech, and consumer content for everyday users who are looking for insights of products that they should purchase and also the latest and greatest in the consumer world, which is in the tech space at least, changing all the time. And there's just so many products and more options for consumers than ever before. Uh, They were a little bit skeptical in the beginning, for sure. But I think after the years of of work and uh, and putting it together and structuring it into a more formal full time uh, job, they started to understand it a lot more. Well, I got to ask you: Do you recall what your first couple videos were like? You know, what were they focused on back when you were a kid? Yeah. So uh, growing up, I actually wasn't really interested in technology. I was into hockey. Legos, and I wasn't really exposed to like smartphones, uh, computers, and all kind of stuff. But as I was around, I think in grade seven or eight, the iPod Touch first generation came out, and it was like the first time where there is the ability to kind of have that touch capacitive experience, uh, download apps on your phone, play games. And I thought that was really cool. And so I figured I kind of wanted to start saving up some money for one. So I watched a ton of videos for about a year and a half on people like unboxing them reviewing cases and I was trying to like make a list of accessories that I wanted to buy for it and during that year I would do like side stuff like car washes cleaning the house and that kind of stuff to just slowly saved up a couple hundred dollars and by the time I purchased the iPod I I felt like I was very 
invested in the space. I loved watching the videos of people reviewing stuff and sharing that unboxing experience that I had been waiting for. And so I figured, uh, why not start making videos myself? Um, because I saw a business opportunity where people were getting sent a lot of free items. Um, at the time, there maybe wasn't as many paid partnerships, but people were getting free items. And I saw that as a, as a chance to uh, be able to get stuff um, and sell it and utilize that money to not only purchase more tech items that I wanted to check out, but also eventually invest back into my YouTube channel. I think that's smart. I mean, the free items I get from work, they're uh, like notepads, you know, pens, that sort of thing. So I think you uh, <laughs> made a very smart decision there. Um, at what point did you kind of figure out you could make a career out of all of this? Yeah, it's um, so when I was about uh, age 12, that was when YouTube uh, was still like relatively new. Like the biggest channels in the world maybe had a couple million subscribers, definitely not a hundred million. And at the time, like a lot of people were just doing it as, as a hobby and very few people were able to do it as a full-time living. Um, eventually the channel started to grow. I hit like 10, 20,000 subscribers, 50,000 subscribers. And by about the end of uh, high school, I graduated in about 2015. In 2014, I had about a hundred thousand subscribers. And right around the end of high school, I was probably making just around like what the average, I guess, citizen, um, individual citizen was earning. And I saw like a huge opportunity there to continue it. But at the same time, it was also a lot of fun. And I also realized that it was a tremendous opportunity because I was only doing it part time. Um, I would kind of do my research at recess, uh, after school in between classes, I would spend all my time on weekends filming videos and just trying to squeeze it in wherever I had some time. Um, I ended up going directly to university for three years and continued to kind of operate it on the side. And by around like university, it was generating like a solid six figures. And I figured like, I didn't really like school. I didn't do well at it. And I also wasn't really able to travel and fully grow the business through networking and also um, establishing a full-time team. So in 2018, I decided to drop out. And I guess like over the years of doing this business, uh, both in school and through university, it really taught me the value of time. And so I was uh, like pretty ready by the time I dropped out of school to kind of structure it exactly the way that I wanted to. And from there, the business continued to double year after year um, into the the millions of dollars a year of volume in terms of working with brands. But the core structure, I think, is actually very similar to how it was in um, when I was in middle school, just at a much larger scale. Well, right now you're launching a new course, you know, covering kind of the business yeah. side of YouTube. Um, I'm curious, like, how does that go? Like, or maybe how do brands kind of reach out or how do you connect with brands so that you're able to connect them with consumers? Yeah, absolutely. So our course is called uh, Creator Cashflow. And the intention with that is not only to, I guess, inspire and also try to teach as much of what I've learned in the last decade uh, growing up on YouTube and in the influencer world and how people can turn it into their full-time living. But at the same time, for any businesses out there who are looking to work with creators, I do feel like it has a good insight and perspective of how they should approach creators in order to form the most effective partnerships. Because with brand partnerships, uh, from a business perspective, um, spending more money doesn't necessarily always mean a good partnership. A lot of times it's down to the relation, the fit, how the company approaches it. And so I think by knowing how the creator thinks, it, it could provide a very good insight on both sides of things. So yeah, the course is, um, it, it talks about like the 
the setup of like building a YouTube channel, building a strong following in the beginning, and also kind of deciding when is the right time to go full time based on time allocation and how committed or interested you are in the industry. Because I would say with YouTube, it's um, it is definitely like a, a lifestyle built around the business. Uh, people who do it usually really enjoy it, uh, but at the same time, it is very long hours. It can be, and uh, your whole life kind of. You can't really take your mind off it. And I feel like that's good and bad. Um, but yeah, we also talk about negotiating, how to talk to brands. And eventually, a lot of channels, um, and including myself, have agents. And that takes off a lot of the administrative side. But I feel like for any creator, it's very important in the beginning to do your own negotiations, run every aspect of the business just to ensure you have a really good feel for it. And when you're ready to delegate certain tasks, you at least have like a very good idea of what is going on around you. Because I think a lot of people, um, do you find that um, when their channel grows extremely fast, which in my case is nothing like that. It did take about 10 years. Uh, but when they kind of reach a very large following and start to be reached out by brands, it's very easy to get taken advantage of if there isn't a previous understanding of the space. I think it helps, you know, just the brands wanting to connect though. Yeah, I took a look at your channel. Those videos, they're high production value. It doesn't look as if you're kind of doing them on the fly yeah. or anything like that. You know, like what kind of thoughts process do you have to go to just to make sure that uh, it looks as if you guys are top notch? For sure. Yeah, I think um, part of the reason why I think the... The approach of the course is very authentic is because we're in an industry where we didn't gain a viral following off of like very uh, typical trends in entertainment where like we don't do pranks. Um, our, like the tech industry has a lot of integrity being a consumer technology space. And I feel like that can be applied to a lot of product based industries, whether people are into like mountain biking, into the makeup and fashion space. There is a lot of correlation in the business structures and the content structures of the content that's created in those space. Um, to be honest, my biggest weakness is actually being on camera, talking on camera. And uh, I also like wouldn't say I enjoy the filming aspect the most. And so I think uh, we talk a lot about how it's important to find your strength in the industry and really, really leverage that. And in our case, as our like resources have expanded over the years, we really do pride ourselves in bringing production grade video quality. At the same time, though, like production grade isn't usually the most important thing. Uh, there's a lot of great creators out there who use like an iPhone or a very basic camera, but they're really, really good at building a story, talking on camera, creating content. And I think that's the most important thing. And I think people don't have to spend a lot of money to have good production value, but if that's your strength and that's your passion, then being able to leverage the commercial grade production side is a huge contributor in being able to charge larger rates. And I feel like the reason why influencer marketing is so popular is because the creator not only promotes the product to a large following, but at the same time, if the production quality is at a high level, the brand is able to then utilize it for like um, active sponsorship uh, posts on their own pages. They can also remarket and license it. And instead of going and hiring like um, an actor, I guess, to endorse the product and also a production team, which could cost like hundreds of thousands of dollars quite easily. They can hire a creator for tens of thousands or in the low hundreds of thousands range um, and spend less money, but get a much more effective outcome as a result of um, hiring an influencer who is also able to create at a production grade. You mentioned a, a moment ago that, you know, when uh, influencers start to see their subscriber counts, you know, just rise very quickly, um, you know, they have to protect themselves. And I'm curious, you know, has a pandemic 
changed things? Has the pandemic brought a lot more subscribers on to other influencers? I, I just picture a lot of folks, you know, sticking around at home and, and maybe they're finding themselves watching yeah. these videos more interested in, you know, buying goods than, you know, maybe the ability to go out to a restaurant or to a concert over the last uh, two years just hasn't been there. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it, I'm lucky to be in the tech industry during the whole pandemic thing. Uh, I personally have a very big interest in desk setups. We also have an Instagram page uh, called iSetups that has about 650,000 subscribers. So it wasn't like we like capitalized on uh, the work from home wave, but uh, it was already something that I covered. And I was, I'm was i also really into real estate and home technology. And through the properties that I've purchased with my media company and also personally, I've done like renovations and talked about the tech side of things and really focused on, on that aspect. And the pandemic has definitely amplified all of those areas in terms of interest uh, towards desk setups and all that. We did like a series um, specifically focused in um, setup makeovers. So we find like a friend who maybe didn't have the nicest setup and redo the whole thing. They get to keep everything for free. But those videos during the pandemic would do a million views, a million and a half views. And I think on three episodes alone, they had surpassed over 4 million views. And the home series has also been just crazy in terms of like a home tech episode in 2020 and 2021, both reaching, if not surpassing a million views each. So that industry has definitely gone crazy, but I know there are also other industries where um, the the market trends are a little bit lower. I believe like fashion and makeup um, from the later report had a 17% decrease. And that's just because people are not going out as much. So buying clothes and buying makeup did decrease. And I know the travel industry has also seen uh, a significant drop, especially in the last two years. Uh, so yeah, I mean, technology is one of those things that's going to be around forever. It may not be the most exciting. Um, some people like to integrate it in their lives more than others. But for the most part, uh, I think there's always ways to integrate technology in one way or the other, whether it's like travel, cars, um, like the home experience, uh, which traditionally was not exactly focused towards technology as much, more so like the design aspect. But I think by integrating all those, there's always a way to to find um, a connection to tech. And it is kind of funny how like over the last decade, it's uh, it shifted a lot. Like when I first started YouTube, it was just like a personal interest towards one specific product and one company, which was Apple. And over the years, the interests kind of change and the content has adapted with it. Well, I got to ask you this. So just over the course of the pandemic, have brands come to realize that they need to reach people in different ways, just ways that they weren't yeah. thinking of before? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's been crazy. I, like our following has not grown like significantly faster than previous years. Uh, it is still kind of in waves based on like the setup makeover, but in terms of marketing spend that we've seen from consumer tech brands specifically, it has gone up multiples within the past two years. Uh, I would even say double, if not triple in terms of volume and also rate. Um, uh, it's just one of those things where when events and trade shows are, are sidelined for quite a few years, which is usually when a brand is really able to showcase its new products as well as keynotes. People are definitely tuning in a lot more online. And so the logical route for them is to have creators within the industry introduce the product for them. Uh, traditionally, a trade show or like a company launch event can easily cost many hundreds of thousands of dollars and multi-millions in the tech industry to have like a booth at a trade show to transport everything to have staff. And so with that capital, they're not only able to hire 
tens, if not hundreds of creators within that same budget, but are actually able to reach a bigger audience because the creator is able to kind of talk about the product and release it for them in their own words, as opposed to watching like a generic press conference where like the spec sheets are being read and like the more technical side is focused on. Um, It really allows like different perspectives of the same product to be introduced. And I think that's why it's become so effective. Are there creators, influencers out there that uh, you want to give a shout out to folks that uh, you like really following? Yeah, I think um, off the top of my head, I always struggle to come up with like, okay, which creator is this? But I think uh, like Marquez Brownlee is definitely somebody who has set the tone in the industry by not only interviewing some of the top players in both business and technology, but at the same time, the video production, uh, the delivery and the content, he's probably the most, one of the most well-rounded creators on the platform. And at the same time, um, probably the most family friendly as well uh, in terms of the, uh, the way he delivers the, the information about a product. So with tech it is it's good. It's a easy and also a very difficult industry to be in. You have plenty of SEO that you're able to attach to based on product releases, but at the same time, uh, there are so many people covering technology that it is very hard to make it interesting. And so, um, like personally, we know like my channel strength is not necessarily in the general consumer tech, which is like smartphones and laptops, even though we do cover them. But instead, we found kind of a unique niche, which is more so in like desk setups, home and travel, where we can kind of integrate lifestyle a little bit more also uh, with, along with like interior design interests. Yeah, excluding the uh, the clients involved, you know, a- any given video that you do, how many folks are you collaborating with, like working on to make sure that you're able to produce a video that is, you know, up to your standards? Yeah, so um, the team right now has it, it's it's smaller and larger than people think. I think I, I think from uh, from like a viewer's perspective, a lot of YouTubers do work on their own, and for a long time it was like that. But uh, at the moment, my team consists of. Three who are full-time in-house. Um, Savannah is also full-time, but based in Vancouver. And um, actually, my general manager and Savannah were in my university class. So even though I maybe didn't get as much as... Uh, didn't really get much out of the program and didn't really enjoy it. It ended up being a really good networking opportunity where um, core members of my team did come from that class uh, in the limited time that I was there, at least in the business program. So, uh, and then we also use like contracted uh, editors and who are based in LA who also work with other YouTube channels along with the um, graphic designer based in Italy, animations based in Hungary. Um, The graphic designer, like people meet on the internet. Uh, We all met on Twitter and um, graphic designer I've been using for the last, I think, six years now. So yeah, it's it's an interesting world. Uh, When I first started YouTube, nobody really did the same thing that I knew. And so there was a lot of us that became good friends over the internet and we would talk every day, talk about which companies we were speaking with, how much we should charge them, how they were to work with, um, and kind of built a collective alliance as we were kind of learning and navigating around a relatively new space of influencer marketing. Um, nowadays, I think there are many more creators at smaller sizes that do have a full on team. So yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely changed a lot. And I think uh, YouTube creators, a lot of which who are doing it full time are essentially structured like small media companies. I'll leave you off with this question here as we wrap up, but um, what do you foresee for the broader, you know, creator influencer industry moving forward? 
Yeah, I think um, the the most interesting trend I've seen in the past couple of years has definitely been short form content. Instagram has kind of shifted over to a real focus. TikTok has become very prominent. And for YouTube creators, to be honest, it's actually very difficult to translate to those platforms because we're used to like a watch time based platform like YouTube, where the content is like, 15 to 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Whereas on TikTok, you really have to grab people's attention within the first five seconds. And personally, I actually watch more TikTok than I do YouTube. And that's just because I my attention span is relatively low. And so scrolling through all these different videos and consuming a large load of content, I can see why it's become a very successful platform. So I would say like short form content is going to be a big trend. Um, moving forward and companies are like really, really trying to like be early on the TikTok side of things. So yeah, that's definitely one thing I've noticed. And at the same time, um, I do feel like YouTube still has a very large prominent in the industry just because it's the most detailed form of content. So I think like TikTok creators often say it's nice to have a TikTok following, but the real way to turn it into a business is definitely through, uh, external platforms such as YouTube and Instagram. And that is also why like us as a company, even though we have tried TikTok and are struggling with it in the beginning, we found that Reel has been a very effective platform just because it is already built upon a large area um, of Instagram where we can kind of not only post like general stuff that has like lifestyle and a bit of connection with the audience, but at the same time, they can see the stories. And then the real content shows up on like a separate feed that has been really pushed by Instagram on the algorithm side of things that it is like the perfect combination of mediums, whereas TikTok is directly focused to that short form medium of video. Well, excellent. Justin, absolutely fascinating talking to you about this. I just want to thank you so much for just uh, joining us on the show today. No, thanks so much. I uh, really enjoyed chatting about this and um, thanks again for having me. And that's it for BIV today. I just want to thank once again, Justin Say for joining us on the show. You can go to BIV.com for more stories, interviews, videos, and more over there. We'll be back tomorrow.